Welcome back to another episode of So You Want to Be in Ministry. I'm Tim. Glad to have you back again. Uh, we are we exist simply to get you to the finish line that God has put in front of you. We do that through uh, encouraging you, educating you, and equipping you. And so no matter what may have brought you here, I hope you get a little bit of that. Whether you're a pastor whether you're or on a ministry staff, whether you're thinking about jumping into that area of life, or whether you're just here to figure out how to continue to support your church staff, I'm glad you found us. Uh, today, we have a treat. Uh, we are interviewing Joe Lawson. He is a local associational, so denominational uh, minister. Uh, he's with the Rehoboth Baptist Association in Illinois. Uh, he is the pastor to me as a pastor. So he's the pastor to pastors. I'm one of those pastors that he uh, connects with and cares for. He does a great job with it. Uh, but one thing that I've seen with him in my time here in this community is the fact that he, uh, he has basically become the pastor to our entire rural community. Like he cares about our community and our community knows they can call him. So like if they don't have a pastor or they just need somebody that can care for them in a pastoral way, they call Joe. And so he has a lot of wisdom on that. He's been very faithful for a very long time in this community with, within different roles. And so uh, I'm going to let you uh, hear from him. Looking forward to it. And let's get into this interview. Well, hey, Joe, really glad to have you on the podcast today. Uh, I try to introduce everybody and I'll do that in my intro. But um, one thing that has stood out for me in regards to you is uh, I've been a campus pastor here in our area for almost seven years now. And pretty consistently, uh, I've seen our community respond to you as kind of their pastor, the community pastor. Uh, so like if if somebody is needing uh, somebody to do a funeral or a wedding, and maybe for whatever reason their pastor can't, or they may not have a pastor at that moment, uh, they naturally call you, and you naturally just step in and do it. And it's been pretty amazing to see that as a uh, pastor in our community. And and I've just come to expect that that's going to happen even within uh, individuals within my own campus. Uh, and I kind of think it's fun at this point to see who's going to end up calling you. It's kind of a fun thing for me. Uh, but one thing I wanted to talk to you about is, uh, with all of that, like, what was your story in getting into ministry? And then as we go beyond that, like, how did that happen? How did you kind of become the community pastor? So let's start with uh, your story. How'd you end up in ministry? Well, uh, ministry entry came later in life in my 30s, not too late, I guess, but uh, grew up in a Christian home, going to church, and had since got called to some type of ministry as a teenager, and yet it was nonspecific. Didn't really clarify what I needed to do. So I just kept uh, following my path of becoming a livestock and grain farmer, having grown up on a farm and uh, fed the pigs and hung out in the cornfields. And I was pretty happy with all that, pretty content. Uh, so just uh, kind of had my crisis with God in the uh, early 80s. Uh, all right. Just uh, a series of events happened with my first wife's health and uh, thought it was going to be really serious. It ended up not to be. She had a friend that attended Golden Gate Seminary. Okay. So we took a trip out there to see the friend and uh, took our two-year-old daughter with us. And as I was swinging her in the swing on the campus of Golden Gate Seminary, looking out across the San Francisco Bay, I just felt God say, you're missing it. You're not where I want you to be. 
you're still trying to figure this out. And I was the most active volunteer in the church that I could be. I taught Sunday school. I uh, helped did some business stuff for the church. I mean, I just was doing whatever God asked me to do within the church, but he just basically said, you missed it. And the next 18 months, just really struggled through that about, you know, what you want me to do, God. And uh, finally came to that point where I said, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, that's fine. And my big hang up was being a foreign missionary. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go overseas and be a missionary. I'd never been overseas. I didn't like foreign food, just all kinds of hang ups. And finally I said, God, I'll even go overseas if you want. As if God started laughing at me, thinking, saying, ah, oh, you'd never fit overseas anyway, but I need your heart. So, you know, <laughs> and that's kind of God and I's uh, quirky, sarcastic relationship. Yeah. You know, I'll struggle with something. And finally, when I give in, he laughs at me and we just go on down the road together. Awesome. So uh, following that, I became bivocational as a minister of education and uh, eventually full time and got out of the farming business and um, into ministry. So in, from there in bivocational, let's touch on that real quick. Um, what were you a farmer and a pastor then or a minister? I, I was a minister of education and a farmer. Okay. For about two years. All right. And uh, during that time, I think we get to that later on, but during that time really got my feet wet in lots of areas of ministry. You know, I had the uh, mm-hmm. pastor was Charlie Westbrook, which you're familiar name with that. So, I am. Yep. Uh, and uh, he just kind of kept putting responsibility out there saying, hey, can you go do this? Can you go do that? And I'd say, yeah, sure. And just kind of took it from there. So yep. it was interesting. Yeah, Charlie. So I have shared in a previous episode um, about an interim pastor that kind of helped me find my mentor. And it was Charlie Westbrook. So I am very familiar with Charlie, yes, uh, yeah. for multiple reasons. But that's that's actually the main one uh, in my life. Yeah. How did, uh, so that's where you started Ministry of Education in our area, correct? Yes. Yeah, so how did it grow from there to kind of even spreading out into the community? Uh, Just God's leadership, basically. Um, Doing, uh, being involved in situations where God planted me. Most of them I were very uncomfortable with and uh, transitioned to, uh, you know, meeting people and doing things, uh, hospital visits. Charlie mm-hmm. got me making hospital visits early on. I think he didn't like to. And so it was easy for him to have me go to him. But I remember my first visit to Barnes Hospital. He wanted me to go and visit a pre-surgery patient. And it was a nice old guy. And I kind of knew his name and face from seeing him around church, but I didn't know him well. And go to Barnes Hospital and kind of make my way to where I was supposed to be and talk to this guy and pray with him and came home and then kind of got more acclimated to, you know, hospital visits and uh, in one sense, greater chaplaincy, meeting people in the hospital that just didn't have any clergy and kind of filling that void. And it came natural. That's just God's giftedness. And then being willing to follow God and do bloom where he plants us, you know, use our gifts and skills as he's equipped and, and gifted us and keep going from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what would be uh, two or three things that someone in ministry could do to connect to their community and better engage with it? Uh, are you comfortable sharing some of the places that you're currently engaging our community? Like, cause I think that's even sure. maybe some important things for people to hear. Yeah. 
Yeah. It, and, and let me just back up a little bit because in starting, I was pretty under-engaged in the community. I've been very, basically I'm introverted. My wife's gone right now and Saturday I talked to on the phone twice. That was to her both times. That's the only person I talked to all day. And I got to 10 o'clock Saturday night and I'm thinking, this has been a good day. So I'm still pretty introverted and I like people. God has instilled that love in me. And yet from the very beginning, it's became important just to meet people where they are and talk to them and uh, just follow God's leadership in conversations. And I know that sounds kind of wonky, but I did a lot with children's ministries to start as minister of education. We had a bus ministry. Okay. Go out and visit, knock on doors, meet people from different walks of life. And, uh, you know, the first time, first few times, it was kind of hard to engage people. And I remember some conversations when people just open up. Yeah. You know, I want to just give your kid a piece of candy and pick a bump on the bus tomorrow. And they began to open up and tell me their life story. And I just found that at first kind of bizarre and at second thought, you know, they're so needy, they'll talk to anybody. Mm. This is what Jesus had in mind as he, you know, preached and taught in the gospels. That's the pictures we get. He engaged people where they were. And so just kind of follow that role model and then transitioned into more and more. And uh, right now I do hospice chaplaincy through the health department. And a lot of folks that I visit have no clergy in the area. They don't have a pastor. And so, that's a niche that keeps me, uh, as I say, in real ministry. You know, uh, we can go to church and we get kind of cocooned with church people surrounded by that and real life's out there and it's not pretty some days. And then I've uh, been on the school board. And so I get to see a different group of people through the eyes of school. Some, uh, you know, success stories and some not very successful. And yet, uh, we're here to serve our community as a school district. So that's a natural transition. And then just as I go through my day, just knowing different people in the community and uh, sometimes God just puts someone on my mind and says, you need to get to know that person. And so I'll make a contact and God will take it from there. Yeah. I think there's something really key to uh, being faithful with the places that like a door opens and you're like, okay, I'll walk through, I guess. And then you're just mm-hmm. faithful into that space. And then all of a sudden another door opens that you weren't even thinking about because you were faithful in that space. And, and so there's something to that. And I think that, uh, I think that was a good thing to bring out there. That's probably where you've landed in some of those spaces that you're in currently, cause you were faithful. And, uh, and so now people are trusting you with the hospice and the school board and things like that because of, uh, that faithfulness. I can tell you as an area pastor, I know you take care of our area pastors as well. Uh, and I would say that, that comes with a uh, faithfulness as well. So I appreciate that. All right. Um, so what would be two or th- uh, two or three things, just a couple things that people could do to connect to their local community? Uh, I know one could be just being faithful. If a, if a space opens up, walk through the door. But uh, do you have anything else for us with that area? Uh, I think one of the basic things is when you meet people, gas station, Walmart, restaurants, just going through your daily routine, uh, engage people. Mm. Just hi, how you doing? Those surface questions, which I don't really like the how you doing question because we get the usual answer of it's great, but then I'll get an answer yeah. fairly frequently of man, it's an awful day. Mm. And that's the opening to follow up on. Okay. And so I have to discipline myself to not be too busy 
to pause and say, man, I'm sorry to hear that. And if it's not a good time for either one of us to talk, say a prayer for them okay. right there in Walmart. <laughs> Just pile five, pray for the person. And it's not rocket science. And that's, uh, again, a picture I have of Jesus, what he did as he walked through his communities and engaging people like that. And then uh, be aware of what's going on in the community. If there's been a crisis in someone's life that makes the, the news buzz, uh, be aware that if I see a family member or that person to engage them or to offer to engage them, uh, many times... Uh, I'll meet a grieving family or a grieving family member. And I'll say, you know, if you ever want to talk, get a hold of me and not trying to pressure them, but just offer that listening ear because, you know, I've been through some grief in my life and people around the area know that. So I'm available. Hmm. Those are good. Those are good. All right. Uh, so we are both in a rural community. Uh, smaller towns. So give us some key insights about how smaller towns work. <laughs> <laughs> they work very well. Uh, small towns are relational. Mm -hmm. And it's not just because a lot of people related, they relate to each other on levels of uh, children's events, family events, community events, and all those are important in the rural area. Every little small town has its festivals that follow the calendar. Uh, every little town, small town has a Christmas event. Mm -hmm. Some will have a parade, some will have free hot chocolate, but they always have a big deal over a weekend where there's shopping in the downtown area. And folks from a metro area would think how quaint, but there's nothing downtown to buy except insurance and go to your bank. So, you know, it's just that, but they have a calendar of events and in the summer there's farmers markets and you know it's just being uh, aware of those and participating just go downtown and walk around there again it's not rocket science just be visible uh, they have that small towns are often known as clickish and up to a point that might be a little true but it's a click that is very open yep. and People in small towns are pretty genuine most of the time. What you see is what you get. And so if you're, quote, the outsider, uh, they're very open to getting to know you, but they just want you to be real with them. You know, if, if yeah. you're from Metro St. Louis and you move to Fayette County, Illinois, it's a culture shock. You know, <laughs> you cannot buy, you can't go to Schnucks and get the, the variety of spices that you can can get you know in small yep. town Vendaya, there's just a very we have limited access to many things and yet we're not stupid we yep. love food and we're going to cook it and uh it's just be genuine again well when you come to the small town we're lacking some things but we're not lacking in relationships we're going to care about you and uh, the third thing is in small towns uh, community events are centered around school events many times. Mm -hmm. High school sports are community gatherings, not sporting events. Yes. We love our kids. There are kids. Whether we win or lose, there's still our kids. And, you know, in, in Vandalia, we've had a couple sports be very successful for a longer term. And I remember that that's in recent Vandalia history. So mm -hmm. as far as sports. And yet people gather at those sporting events just to cheer the kids on 
win or lose. And so, oh, yeah. yeah, I, uh, we had a new pastor move to town decades ago and I was at a high school football game and I was in my twenties and he and his cohort were making fun of our little small town football team because they weren't playing very well mm-hmm. in the stands. And I thought, no, no, not cool. Not cool. He didn't stay in town very long. He moved on. Yep. But, you know, I just, uh, scripture pops into my head. Don't think too highly of yourself. You know, it's just, we're all here to live life. So in, in small towns, we're relational. We love each other. Uh, if we don't love each other, we're still going to try and figure out a way to get along. Yeah, I would say that's very true. It's, um, if you're a visible face, if you just like, I, so seven years now, I'm getting to the point where people will recognize me and my wife will go, who was that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I go, I've seen them before. I know they're from here. Like I have an idea of where I even saw them, but I'm not really sure who they are, but they, I'm becoming that familiar face. I, I would say that's true is uh, if you make yourself visible, people will just naturally get to know you and you'll become a familiar face in the community. So you, in a way you get accepted into the community because you're a familiar face. So I, I would say that's very, very true. I, I would also uh, try to remind that uh, pastor that uh, ended up moving on that that is your team uh, that you are making fun of. Uh, it is not somebody else's team. That is your team. Uh, right. It is our town. So, yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's easy to forget that like you're, you're a um, traveler passing through or you grew up somewhere else. But uh, I know when I moved, I, I know this is more my story, but when I moved into town, one thing that I, I told Rachel is like, we got, we're jumping in with both feet. Like we're going to be there. We're Vandalians. We're, we're going to bleed red, even though we actually do bleed red, but uh, <laughs> we're going to, you know, van, we're the vandals. And so we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to get after it. And, uh, and I think that has been something that has greatly benefited me early on in my tenure here. So, um, all right. If a pastor is, this might be the same answer, but if a pastor is going to move into a rural area, what would be some questions they should ask of themselves before moving into that type of community or church? I think the first question, are you ready for small town relationships? And it's not as much the glass house syndrome of everybody knowing your business, but you're just really ready to genuinely live out your faith in community with other people mm-hmm. and be transparent. Yeah, and if you have a bad day with your kids and yell, yell at them in public, be, be able to laugh at yourself and say, yep, I'm not the best parent ever. I'll never make dad of the year, but it's okay. Yeah. You know, just some of those humility things that we all have to learn. Uh, second thing is you want to live at a slower pace because rural rural life sometimes is slower paced mm-hmm. and in church life where sometimes we want to see our church grow and develop quickly, probably not going to happen. There's a yeah. lot of, there's, I would say there's a lot of hurry up and wait, which probably goes with the uh, agricultural where the, mm-hmm. when it comes time to, you got to do something, it's got to happen fairly quickly. But once, right. it, once it's done, there's a lot of margin. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, planting is an intense time, yeah. six, seven weeks of long hours and making sure your inputs are there on time. Harvest is the same way. It's very intense time, which really fits in the rhythm of the Bible very well mm-hmm. because we gather energy. We pray for the harvest. We pray for workers for the harvest and then the harvest happens. Yep. Very simple, very simple process. And yet, 
the slower pace of church life sometimes annoys some pastors. And so if you're not ready for a slower pace where um, you can handle that, then don't come. Yeah. And if you're not willing to fit into the rhythm of the community, don't come. Agricultural communities, even though farm size gets bigger, there's few and fewer farmers, we operate on an agricultural calendar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, so, I was even going to add that in on, on the events and stuff. You may, you can't just, if you're coming from a, a community that isn't rural, and so you've got to think differently, you can't just institute the last event you or the, the event calendar you did at your last church. You do right. have to think about the rhythm of the community and if it fits the event of the calendar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I right. agree with that. Yeah, that's good stuff there. Um, anything else? I, I, I don't want to move no. on just in case there's anything else. All right. Uh, so our focuses are to educate those thinking about jumping into ministry, to equip those who are already in, and then to encourage those um, that might be thinking about jumping out. And it could even be they may be thinking about jumping out uh simply because they've come to the end of their race. And so it may be because they're discouraged and it may just be they're like, I think I'm, I think I'm just done. Uh, but in that, what is one thing that you would want to make sure that uh, new ministry personnel, like if they're thinking about coming into church life, church ministry, uh, what's one thing that you would want them to understand about the church? One thing I think that we almost understand about the church is God calls us to serve him by serving the people he created. Mm. Ministry must always be God-centered and people-focused. And that's just the basics. It's kind of like baseball. See the ball, hit the ball. It's not real complicated, but we try and make it complicated sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so uh, as I've served the Lord, what God has taught me through my years in in ministry and pre-ministry life, just serving as a volunteer in church, when we lose sight of the people that we're to reach, the people we're to serve, we've lost sight of God. Those two can't be dissected. The great commandments hang on each other. They follow each other naturally. If I love God, I'm going to love the people he created. It's just that simple. And uh, not to get preachy, but when Jesus hung on the cross and loved the people that that crucified him, he was setting a a model for every minister to say, you know, people aren't going to like you. Jesus said that before he was crucified. There'll come a day when they're not going to like you. Okay. It's not popularity. It's faithful service. And if you're thinking about jumping into ministry, God's call drives me. Mm -hmm. If he did, if, if I have Mm -hmm. to revisit my call, which I do fairly often just to, to make sure that I'm on the right track, then uh, that's good. I should revisit my call. Lord, am I where you want me? I can't leave ministry. I can't leave this ministry position until God says you're done. Yeah. You know, there's some days I'd like to just, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. But God says, I'm not done with you yet. Yeah. Some days I need to learn some new lessons. Some days an old dog needs to learn new tricks and old dogs can learn new tricks. It just takes a little longer. So. Yeah. It's just that. And then uh, jumping into ministry is faithfulness for the long haul. Mm. There's a tendency, whether, and it's not in ministry only, it's in about every area of life. If this job gets too hard, I'll just go find another one. Mm-hmm. In ministry, we couple that with God's call, and he's trying to teach us to be faithful for the long haul. 
I sat with a group of pastors this morning, and one of them will uh, achieve 60 years at the same church in October. Wow. It's a rural church. He's been a great pastor. He's been faithful. He's done lots of good things in ministry. He's been a community pastor in a rural area uh, north of here, and just very thankful God has placed him in my life. And yet, it's not been easy. There's been lots of ups and downs. Yeah, I, I would second that. Um, if you if you haven't like if you're out there listening and you have not experienced uh, the day that you want to quit yet, like the day you experience that, that is not new. Uh, anybody that's done this for any length of time, we have had a day like that, and we've had to figure out how to go to the next day. Yeah. Um, all right, what about equipping? What's one tool that you believe has helped you the most, or what is one tool you wish you would have had, like, even in the past? You're probably going to smirk at my answer. Okay. The Bible. <laughs> I've been to seminary. It was a great experience of learning how to study, learning how to pursue answers in Scripture, which taught me how to pursue answers in other uh, areas of literature and writing. I've done lots of attended conferences, and I'm thankful for all those things. They've all added to my ability that God's given me to um, attract people to churches, to help pastors and church leaders to be more effective in their roles in ministry, whether it's in programming or process or the building of the church or how to have a better Bible school all those kind of things it, it's just not one thing it's everything and yet it comes back to so much of the wisdom of the bible that uh from what jesus did in the gospels you know and uh and old testament prophets who were always depressed you know uh, part of what i do now is encourage pastors and church leaders over seven counties in southern baptist life and uh i share with them frequently read elijah read jeremiah read isaiah those guys we're all depressed, discouraged. They wanted to quit all the time. Oh, Lord. You know, Jezebel and Elijah. It was just, it's really humorous. Elijah kills 300 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. 24 hours later, one old lady threatens him and he's off into the middle of the desert. Yep. <laughs> it's just like, just like us, you know, you can have a great, great Sunday. And then someone on the way out of church says, you know, the toilet wasn't flushed. Oh, not again. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's always something like that, too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So on the encouragement side, because uh, you do interact with pastors that do need encouragement, what is what is um, something that you feel like the pastors who are getting on the verge of discouragement? Maybe what it, what do you come across a common reason that they're getting discouraged? And then what is what do you tell them that tends to be the encouraging piece that helps them keep going? I think the, the, the basic reason when you boil it all down at the end of the day is that in our society, in our culture today, the negativity and ability to criticize people in all walks of life is getting greater and greater. Mm -hmm. uh, we have passed the age where, you know, whether it's a, school principal or a police officer or a pastor garnered respect in the past, not so today. We're all not as trustworthy as we were. And that 
that hurts. That hurts our ability to work and reason. Uh, and I think uh, as I talk to pa pastors, that discouragement comes basically from lack of respect and fellowship in the church. And we're not asking people to do anything that God doesn't ask them to do, but they just don't want to do it. Yeah. And bottom line, and uh, you see attendance declining in churches pretty much all over and uh, spiritual apathy everywhere. And it just wears pastors down. I, and the encouragement comes that I get, try and give is just from the Lord. You know, listen intently. Don't try and talk them out of discouragement because I can't do that. <laughs> but yet redirect them to people like Elijah, people like I, Isaiah in the scripture and Jesus and some of his encounters with Peter, where Peter was so impetuous with his mouth, he could just go off on the wrong tangent and Jesus would have to reel him in, you know, yeah. so, just those type of things and always pray with people and pray for them. The greatest yeah. thing I do is pray for people. It's I've said this before. It's critical. Yeah. Yeah. It's critical. So who have been some of the mentors and influencers in your life? Uh, Charlie Westbrook, as I mentioned earlier, was. Got me started in ministry, challenged me, taught me, mentored me along, listened to me. Uh, another good friend of mine, Jerry Day. Uh, was just a little, about a year ahead of me on the going into ministry track in midlife. And we have stayed in touch throughout our lives and uh, challenged each other at times and just listened to each other at other times. And has uh, been a very good uh, relationship there. So probably those two have been the, the most impactful and lots of reading. Okay. Who, who are some, what, do you have a couple books that you just tend to give out to people or who are some of your favorite authors or books to just read? Maybe a book that you've read multiple times. Uh, read experiencing God multiple times, mm -hmm. encourage people to do that. Um, purpose driven life. Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed that book, went through it several times just for my own personal renewal. And then, uh, another book that I give out a lot is total forgiveness by RT Kendall. Okay. I find a lot of pastors, a lot of Christians uh, have surface forgiveness. We can't really forgive. And that's at the root of many of our, I want to quit ministry. And it bleeds over into our home life. It just gets, it's a critical issue. Mm. All right. And, I, uh, I don't, I haven't read that one, so I'm going to have to get that one. Yeah. Okay. Um, where can people find you if this has triggered something that, uh, and they just want to reach out and it could be another associational person that's interacting with pastors. It's just like, Hey, how do you have these type of conversations? It could be another pastor that just needs encouragement. How can, where can they find you to kind of reach out and just continue the conversation? If that's something that they desire. Well, um, I can give my phone number. That's the easiest way. Don't do it on this podcast. <laughs> You you are on Facebook, so they could they could look. I'm you on, on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Uh, Rehoboth Baptist Association. If you can ever spell Rehoboth, you can find me. <laughs> well, I'll connect it. I'll connect it to that association so yeah. they can find you. And my alternate office is Denny's in Vandalia. So, <laughs> uh, uh, people would probably think that's mine too. <laughs> I'm there a yeah. lot as well. So, yeah, in small towns yeah. congregate at area restaurants. So, yeah. yeah. It, 
I will say, I was going to say this earlier when you were talking about like, uh, you know, we know how to cook stuff here. Our, uh, our per capita restaurants per population has got to be one of the highest in Illinois. Like we have so many restaurants here. So, right. uh, that's, it, it is enjoyable. Like, and we've got all the flavors. Like we got Mexican, we got Thai, we got Chinese, we got mm-hmm. upscale, like fancy stuff. We've got Denny's, like we got all the, we got fast food. We got it all. So I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. It's nice. All right. Uh, is there anything else that you just wanted to kind of enter time with? I wanted to kind of give you the floor, see if there's anything else that you'd like to add. No, not really. I All just right. appreciate the opportunity to share and encourage people. And that's it. All right. Well, I, I appreciate having you on, Joe. Thank you, Tim. Thank you very much. You're welcome. See you later. All right. So many good things from Joe. So many good things. I heard. I hope you heard two specific things, and I'm going to say about rural communities, but I think it's probably just about any community that you would interact with. Number one, did you catch how often he talked about how important relationships are? Like moving with the rhythm of the community, getting to know the people, what what is the community experiencing, and then engaging it. Like he talked about that so many times in different ways. Uh, and, and the second thing kind of goes with that is it's simple. Like it, don't overcomplicate connecting with your community. It's pretty simple. Find out, like see where there might be an open door, walk through it, be faithful in that space. And then if God should open up other doors, walk through them, be faithful, continue to, to just love people like Jesus would love them. It's pretty simple. It doesn't make it easy. It's not easy, but it is simple. So uh, I really appreciate Joe. Glad that he was willing to share with us today. Hope you gleaned some from it. And please re- feel free to reach out. Like he has time for you. He will He will spend time encouraging you and try to equip you and help you take that next step that you may need in your own ministries. So uh, reach out if that's something that you would want to do. Thank you so much for checking this episode out. I hope uh, that you found uh, some education that, that helped you take a step. I hope that you got some equipping to kind of help you understand life and ministry, maybe something that you need to adjust within your own context. And then I hope you are encouraged. I hope that you heard ministry can be, be hard, uh, but you can keep going. And there are people that have uh, traveled that path in front of you, and they, they care about you traveling the path behind them. Uh, and so be encouraged with that too. You do me a huge favor, like, subscribe, write a review, do all those things. It really does help me out. It does help this podcast out, make it more visible. So if you do those things, we we would appreciate it here in this episode. We will see you next time. Got some more interviews coming up. uh, And so looking forward to those. Make sure you're checking that out. And I will see you then.